welcome to Osborne Clark's Media Matters podcast. This is a podcast where we catch up with some of our experts in the media and entertainment sector and take a look at some of the key developments and market trends. In this podcast, we're taking a look at what the UK Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill, or DMCC, might mean for video and other content subscription services. I'm Jamie Heatley, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm an associate director in the commercial team. I focus on media and entertainment, and I co-lead the firm's broadcast and production group. And I'm really pleased to be joined by Emily Toombs, who I know has been deep in the world of this bill for some time now. So, Emily, welcome to the podcast. And can you give us a short introduction of who you are and, and what you do? Sure. Thanks, Jamie. And hello, everyone. So my name's Emily. I'm an associate in the commercial team here at Osborne Clark. And a lot of what I do is thinking about uh, digital regulation, particularly for our technology and media clients. And um, for the last few weeks, a lot of that has been taken up by DMCC. Excellent. Yeah, I know we've been we've been in the trenches on this one. <laughs> um, so the Digital Markets Bill it was published in April, uh, and it's it's a really broad sweeping proposal um, looking at how the UK could reform its competition law, particularly in the tech sector and the rules and, and enforcement of consumer law in the UK. And it's a really big, chunky piece of legislation. So what I want to focus on in this session is a proposal in the bill for a brand new regime for subscription contracts. So obviously, if you operate or you're planning to operate a subscription video on demand service or any other type of direct to consumer subscription service, this is gonna be really relevant to your business. And we haven't seen this type of regime in the UK or the EU before, which is specifically targeted at just subscription services. So Emily, can you just give us a sense of what the bill proposes and maybe pull out some of the key issues for subscription providers? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. One of the main uh, key changes that's proposed by the bill is this new subscription contract regime, which is going to create a, a new set of obligations that are specific to subscription contracts. But there are a couple of other changes that are, are being introduced by the bill as well. So the first one is that we've got this new dual enforcement regime. And what that means is that the CMA, the Competition Markets Authority, uh, which is the UK's principal consumer law regulator, will mm -hmm. have a brand new set of powers, some really sharp teeth, um, including the, the ability to issue turnover-based fines for breaches of consumer law. So a lot in that that's going to be quite concerning for uh, any business that's offering consumers uh, goods and services in the UK. We've also got some changes to the UK's unfair commercial practices regime. Uh, so the bill revokes the existing law around that and then um, introduces some replacement provisions for that regime. It's okay. in many respects quite similar, but there are some differences there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Um, and the obviously the, the turnover-based fines that you mentioned are going to get everyone's attention, just like the the GDPR did a, yeah. a, a few years ago. And it's a you know it's a real step change in in the kind of risk dial um, attached to consumer law up to now, which has been relatively toothless. Um, but looking at some of the detail on the subscription side, are there proposals that might be particularly concerning for those in the media sector who operate streaming services, for example, what are the kind of key issues that, that they would need to be thinking about and take note of? 
Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned before, the, the this new regime is really prescriptive and does include some quite problematic concepts for businesses operating in that sector. And just before I take you through and give you a bit of a flavour about some of those concerns, yeah. um, I guess it's worth bearing in mind that the this, the concept of a subscription contract under this new regime is really a one-size-fits-all approach. So it's all paid subscriptions. Those are the types of products that will be subject to this new regime. Now, okay. of course, businesses that are operating in the content sector, um, particularly, you know, the subscription video on demand and other subscription-based content provider models, they're already really incentivized by market conditions to ensure that consumers are satisfied with their product. So this concept of wanting to prevent um, subscription traps um, and the like, it, it doesn't necessarily marry up with, with a lot of the realities and, and practical uh, points for, for businesses operating in this sector. So the main concern is that um, the the bill is overly burdensome with some of the nature of the proposals, and that could cause consumers to really disengage um, and undercut some of the main imperative, arguably, of the bill. Um, so, but to give you a bit yeah. more flavour. So well, one of those kind of potential uh, situations where you've got a broad law with unintended consequences, you know, so designed to catch rogue traders in, let's say, I don't know, sort of, uh, delivery subscription services, but actually yeah. in this sector might have some consequences for for traders, as you say, who who are, who are, have well designed services and and generally operate clearly for consumers. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely right, Jamie, and you'll know this well. But customer stickiness is obviously really key in the content economy. So there's already a lot of in incentive you know, baked into many businesses' models that are operating in that sector to give customers a really good experience. And mm -hmm. what this bill does is create um, quite prescriptive and onerous requirements that will involve some some changes to the customer journey and the customer experience. So shall we go through some of those, have a get a bit more into the weeds about what's being um, proposed under the bill? Does that sound all right? <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, please do. Let's jump in. Cool. Um, so I guess the first thing is all around these new information requirements. So many will know we already have pre-contract information requirements um, in the UK, but what the bill does is that it introduces this new concept of key pre-contract information, which is distinguished from full pre-contract information. So all of that means basically is that there's some really onerous and prescriptive and in some cases, to be fair, unclear requirements in terms of the presentation of that key pre-contract information. Um, in practice, it might mean making some uh, changes to the customer journey, perhaps as a consequence creating a UK specific customer journey. Basically, the regime anticipates the presentation of large, dense, standalone information in that pre-contract uh, journey. Can't rely on tooltips, hyperlinks and the like to present this information, which is obviously problematic when you're trying to create a journey that, um, you know, really clearly communicates important information to consumers in a way that they're used to engaging with. Yeah, um, and it sounds pretty... Um disruptive to that customer journey as well um, and like you say I can see the imperative to provide information to, to consumers but mandating exactly how it's presented and and as you say kind of presenting it all at once in a dense chunk of text is arguably going to be counterproductive for for, for lots of consumer interactions. Yeah I think that's a genuine concern for many operating in this sector for sure uh, and in a, in a sort of similar vein there's also new 
renewal reminder notices. So the, the bill requires traders to issue reminder notices at certain points during the lifetime of a subscription contract. And there are quite strict requirements around the timing and the contents of those notices. Worth noting here as well that customers can't opt out. So for those that are offering multiple subscription products and a variety of contract lengths, this will mean new, relatively complex processes to send notices could entail some significant operational uplift. I mean, speaking from clients um, over the last couple of weeks, one concern is that you know some of this information is actually stored across multiple CRM systems. So it's going to be a bit tricky to get it all in the right place and sent at the right time. And I guess as a consumer, if you thought your inbox was already chaos, um, get ready for a notice influx if this bill goes ahead as drafted from all of your subscription content providers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More email traffic doesn't exactly sound like a <laughs> like a utopia. Um, and and like you say as well, it's one of those areas where where legislators I think are you know have found a solution that they think sounds good, but actually the the practical reality of implementing this, this stuff takes a lot of work on the on on the on the tech side. That it's not just an easy fix. That you have to set up full systems to to run all this stuff and to trigger all the emails and to pull information from the right places. So there's quite a kind of a development lift in in in, in a lot mm. of these proposals. Yeah, absolutely right. And and that sort of keeps going that theme throughout the um, the rest of the regime. One thing I just wanted to briefly touch on before we move, perhaps move on from the subscription regime is just uh, mm-hmm. some new changes around cancellation. So the first um, sort of lot of changes that fall in this bucket relate to how consumers can prevent their subscription from auto-renewing, how they can bring it to an end before it rolls over to a new term. So what the bill envisages is that there needs to be a clear uh, mechanism for consumers to to bring their contract to an end. But also, um, what, what also happens under the bill is that consumers can actually give notice by any means uh, to bring their subscription contract to an end. So what this means in practice is that we could have consumers sending in notices by hard copy post, uh, perhaps a DM on Twitter, um, inquiries to customer support essentially a whole lot of different routes that consumers could give notice. And it might be a little bit difficult for some businesses to make sure that consumers actually do indeed want to cancel their contracts and that we're you know, appropriately identifying consumers to, in, in the course of that method. Yeah. Again, sounds like a, like a real logistical nightmare for some, for some subscription providers who already kind of provide a pretty easy access route to cancel. Generally, you can, you know, mm. toggle, to renew off on your account page or via your app store and that's a pretty well understood uh, understood route so again it feels like a bit of a sledgehammer to crack a nut in this sector at least to um to require all these different potential um cancellation routes absolutely right um and you know speaking of cancellation there are also some changes to to consumers statutory cancellation rights so just as a bit of a, a refresh for those listening Um, Consumers in the UK already have um, what's called cooling off rights. They have 14 days to change their mind uh, and cancel a contract without uh, penalty. But what's not clear in this bill is whether um, the existing protections in respect of digital content can uh, carry over. So basically what the bill envisages is, is, is replicating these new cancellation rights for consumers and then also extending the consumer cancellation rights um, during what's called renewal calling off periods. So those renewal calling off periods apply at the end of a free trial, 
um, and then also on renewal of our longer term subscriptions. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, what we don't have in this bill is that important regime for digital content. So mm. it's not clear whether consumers can waive their right to cancel and obtain a refund in order to immediately access digital content. And it's also not clear whether consumers will be liable for payment following cancellation. Uh, so for our content providers, um, you know, obviously this is a, a real concern. Uh, high value content subscription requires a lot of investment to, to get really high quality content. And what this could mean is that consumers can simply sign up, um, access that high content, high value content, perhaps have a, a, a heady couple of weeks of, of binge watching um, and then cancel potentially without, um, you know, with, with receiving a full refund, depending on what happens under regulations made under the bill. Yeah, that's a real worry, isn't it? Because, I mean, and even if it wasn't a, you know, no refund, if, even if it was a partial refund, it's, it's mm. not going to be a meaningful amount, particularly if you think yeah. about things like sports or um, films or high-end TV, where there's, as you say, there's been huge upfront investment and a very limited chance to recoup that from subscriptions. Mm. Um, if someone's going to be able to cancel within, let's say, seven days, having watched all the content they want to watch and then receive a, you know, mm. a, a refund of substantially everything that they've paid for that first month, um, mm. it does put content providers particularly uh, in, a, in a quite precarious position. But so if we just leave the subscription rules for a moment, I mean, there's a lot there to, to think about, and a lot of issues to, to, to wade through, hopefully before this bill comes onto the statute book. Um, but staying on the consumer side, are there any other issues to bear in mind? I mean, we've talked about the enforcement regime, but anything wider in the bill on the consumer side that might impact on the kind of direct consumer um, content providers we've been talking about? Yeah, so I gave a hint of this earlier, but one thing that the bill does is that it replaces the Consumer Protection from Unfair Trading Regulations, or CPUT, which is the UK's um, unfair commercial practices regime. Now, in many respects, um, this regime is substantially similar to what um, how the existing law works, but there has been some modernised drafting and a couple of potentially meaningful differences. Um, one thing to bear in mind is that there's now an express ability for government to introduce by regulations um, additional blacklist offences. So what we've heard um, already in uh, debates on the bill is that this uh, power might be used to introduce offences targeting greenwashing, fake and misleading reviews, and potentially drip pricing. So we could see some similar moves to what we've seen um, in the EU around these types of practices. Um, and then yet, as I mentioned earlier, big deal around the CMA's new powers. CMA won't need to go to court, sorry, in order to impose um, penalties or to mm -hmm. make orders. And so that it could cause a little bit of concern for some of our, for, for some businesses operating in this space. Yeah, of course. So you've got sort of a potentially increased sort of consumer protection from unfair trading regime. Mm -hmm. You've got a new subscription contracts regime with quite prescriptive and detailed requirements. And you've got all of that coupled with this um, direct enforcement power by the CMA with the ability to find up to 10% of turnover. So, I mean, all of that together is going to be pretty worrying for a lot of a lot of clients operating in this space and could mean that those kind of risk-based decisions that you took before mm. are going to be much harder. It's going to be much harder to kind of assess 
in a sensible way the risk of of designing a service and setting up that service to to operate in a way that's um, easy to use for for customers. So some real sort of challenges to work through there. Um, so bearing all that in mind, where are we with the with the bill so far? I mean, kind of how far along the process are we? And is there a way that people in the industry and other stakeholders can can get their voices heard? Yeah, so the bill has been read um, twice by the House of Commons and is now actually, as we speak, as we're recording this podcast, being uh, scrutinised by the House of Commons Public Bill Committee, which is hearing um, oral evidence and also receiving written evidence. Now, that process is going to go on for about a month. The committee is scheduled to report by uh, 18th of July. So if you did want to make a submission on the bill then our advice would be to get in as, as soon as possible uh, because the committee, of course, can choose to um, conclude earlier than that expected deadline. Um, keep in mind also that a lot of the detail in the subscription contract regime in particular has been left for regulations. So there still might be a fair amount for content providers to get to grips with and potentially additional opportunities to engage on those regulations and things like guidance issued under the, under the bill when it eventually passes. Um, we'll of course be be keeping an eye on the bill as it keeps progressing, and we'll be, um, you know, helping our clients get to grips with it, and also putting out content for those who are interested. Uh, but yeah, one to watch for sure. Definitely, yeah, and no, it's really interesting, and yeah, can we watch watch this space and do get in touch if you have any questions. But thanks for talking us through that, Emily. That was really really useful, um, and that's that's all for this time. For more updates and discussions on issues for the media sector just like this, head to the Media Matters page on our website. Thanks very much and see you next time.